Welcome to the Family Disappeared Podcast. My name is Lawrence Joss, and do we have an episode for you today? We have Lynn Steinberg, who is an author, an advocate, a psychologist, and an expert witness with years and years of experience. We're going to be talking about the court system, about attorneys, judges, what to do and what not to do in court, and also how to represent yourself. Some really, really, really insightful thoughts and ideas that Lynn shares you definitely don't want to miss this. Let's jump right on in. There was a time in my life when I was overwhelmed and underwater. Those days are the inspiration for this podcast. This is by far the ultimate healing journey for all of us. Healing ourselves emotionally, spiritually, and physically is paramount to this journey. From this place of grounding, we can all go out into the world and change all our interactions and relationships. We can engage people from an integrated and resourced place. This is a journey of coming home to ourselves. In today's episode, we'll start to explore some of these issues. Let's begin the healing journey today. Welcome to the Family Disappeared Podcast. Man, in the beginning of uh, parental alienation, estrangement, erasure, disconnection, whatever you want to call it, I remember being so ill-prepared. I went to that first attorney conference with my ex and the other attorney, and at that time, she was trying to get full custody of my three kids, and I was filled with anxiety and fear and trepidation. I didn't understand what was going on. The term parental alienation, the research, all that stuff was foreign. I, I didn't find that for another eight years, so I showed up in this place really scared. I let their attorney say uh, I was a bad parent and I shouldn't be around the kids or whatever else they had to say, and I just sat there in my anxiety and fear. I wish I would have been able to prepare differently. I wish that I would have had support, a community, that other people would have let me know what to do or what not to do before I showed up in that kind of a situation. I would have handled everything 100% differently. You know, if I was resourced and if I was grounded, if I had different people to talk to that had different kinds of experiences, if I made sure that I had the correct kind of attorney, and also if I made sure that I was actually in charge of the attorney and the attorney wasn't telling me what to do. If you're listening to this episode, you are in a wonderful situation to change the course of your interactions within the court system. I wish I would have had something like this for myself. And before we jump into the episode, I want to make sure that you share, subscribe, let your friends and family know about our show. You know, we're receiving such incredible feedback and, and we really thought that it'd be mostly from parents and grandparents, but it's relatives, it's other people, other stakeholders within the system that are learning about what parental alienation is. It's about friends and family that aren't directly connected, that are starting to understand what's going on with us. And the more people that we educate, the more that we advocate, the better opportunity we have to change the course going forward for ourselves and for so many different families. Okay, let's get into what Lynn has to say. So today we have a really exciting guest. We have Lynn Steinberg. She's a therapist, an author, an activist, and most importantly, an expert witness in court for anyone that's struggling with parental alienation, estrangement, or whatever you decide that term is for you. And she works with judges, attorneys, and different other stakeholders and educating them about what's going on and opening up the lens to help remedy you know, just different struggles with parental alienation. So Lynn, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience and let us know anything else about you you'd like us to know? I'm Dr. Lynn Steinberg, and I have been doing this work for probably about 12 years now. What I prefer doing more than anything else is working in the court system. And I do that in several ways, but most often I work as an expert witness. So I go to court about four times a week as an expert on different cases. 
And um, that's what I think gets the most results. And that's what I prefer to do. Although I do do therapy and I do provide the four-day intervention, even though it's called, I mean, they've gone from calling it concentration camps (laughs) to camps. And now I don't even know what they're calling it, but I do those as well. And I work very hard legislatively to defeat bills that are against parental alienation, both um, here in California and on the international front and on the national front here in the United States. So I keep very busy trying to defeat parental alienation. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for all that work. That is wonderful. And you've also just written a book, You're Not Crazy, which covers the court system, it covers parental alienation, what partners can do to support their partners. It also covers representing yourself in court, which is called pro se. That seems to be a big part of the book, correct? Yes, it, it's a good part of the book, I think. There's other things in the book, like how to retain a therapist, what you should look for, what kind of questions to ask to make sure that they're trained in parental alienation, because I think most people know that unless you get a therapist that is trained in parental alienation, it's not going to work. It just perpetuates the system and increases the alienation. So I include that in the book as well. But yes, a big part of it is how to represent yourself because, you know, lawyers' fees invariably bankrupt the alienated parent because they're so huge, so costly. And if you get a lawyer that doesn't know what they're doing, doesn't know about parental alienation, then you've spent all your savings and you can't do anything more to get your children back. So it's really important to know what the process is yourself so you can be your own advocate. And then what you need to do in terms of getting a lawyer that knows what they're doing you know, hiring an expert who can go in and teach the court about what it is and why it's important in this case and make recommendations about the child or children seeing the alienated parents. And just to clarify, when we say pro se, are you saying that this is actually for parents that are going into court by themselves without an attorney representing themselves because they've run out of funds or just using an alternative way just to manage their lives? Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm saying that, you know, lawyers can really bankrupt alienated parents with their fees and the whole process of the court. So prose is when one represents oneself in the court. And so in part, I've written about if you get to this point and you feel like you have to represent yourself because you can't afford a lawyer, or you decide to do without a lawyer, because actually the research says that if a lawyer doesn't know what they're doing in parental alienation, it's a better option to to represent yourself, to go pro se. That's an interesting statement. So the research actually says going pro se, if your attorney is not educated or has any kind of understanding about parental alienation is a better way to go. And can you expand on that a little bit? Like when you say the research says, what does that actually mean to you? I don't know who did this research, but it's pretty well known in the field of parental alienation. And, you know, the experts talk about that because, you know, a lawyer can really 
screw up your case if they don't know what they're doing. Oftentimes they'll make an agreement or get both parties to stipulate something that is not going to resolve the issue. And then you get a continuance, you know, you get another court date and another court date. And before you know it, it's years down the road. So what the research shows is that when these situations occur, like your lawyer isn't listening to you, or they don't know about parental alienation, or they think there's something about what's being advised by a parental alienation expert is wrong, then my advice is either get another lawyer if you can afford one, but or otherwise go pro se, or pro per, they call it in some states. And it seems really challenging to represent yourself because it seems like the judge and everyone else in the courtroom is going to be looking down on you. They're going to be frustrated with you. They're not going to really give you the time of the day. And, and is there a way to mitigate that and navigate that in the court? It is really, really difficult. And some people are really good at it and some people are not. And the lawyers are, for the other side are pretty dismissive. And the judge can also be dismissive. But um, I've seen people sort of pick it all up and go back at the judge and go back at the lawyer and say, yeah, but I researched this and this is what I found. And you can also get a lawyer to be, um, I forget what they call it, but a specific advice giver. So they don't actually go to court with you, but they may help you with the documents or they may give you advice on a certain procedure in the court. But you know, there's a limited number of procedures in the courts. There's a limited number of what's going to happen in the courts. Like, for example, an ex parte is when you have an emergency and you go back to court and the judge either accepts it and rules for you or against you or says this is not material for an emergency hearing. And so they schedule what they call an RFO, which is basically a call to order. And then what I always advise people to do is ask for an evidentiary hearing. And at the evidentiary hearing or the trial, I think in some states they call it long-term trial or short-term trial. What happens in those places, those hearings, is that you're allowed to bring whichever witness you want. So somebody like me who can educate the court about parental alienation can come in at that time and you can ask questions and allow the other side to ask questions. And there's two ways for that to happen. One is that I could be a general expert where I go in, I don't know anything about the case, and I talk about what alienation is, what the judges can expect from hearing from the children, which I always advise against, and what happens, how the children get alienated, and what my recommendations are for a family, for an alienated parent to get reunited with an alienated child. So that's a general expert. A specific expert would be someone who reads every single bit of documentation there is, you know, therapist reports, doctor's reports, even dentist reports at some point, you know, because one of the neglects is that children don't go to the dentist. And so when the alienated parent gets them, that's the first thing that happens. They go for braces or their teeth need to come out. It's a very common thing that happens. But 
Anyway, when I go to court with that person as a specific expert, I answer first the questions by, in this case, it would be the alienated parent, and then get cross-examined by the alienating parent, who usually has a lawyer. And because I know the material so well, I can usually succeed in that task. So I know from having so many conversations with different people that are struggling within the court system that they get in there and they want to bring up this idea of parental alienation. And it's a really divisive term in a lot of areas and not necessarily useful. Like, do you always find it useful to use parental alienation or are you going in through a different door that's not so much energy forcing against you? Like, how do you navigate that? Well, how I do it is I'll say, judge, I heard that you don't like the term parental alienation. So what would you like me to call it? Shall I call it resist, refuse behavior, coercive control, psychological abuse, emotional abuse? You pick. I can use that term, which basically makes them look pretty foolish, you know, that they're just quibbling over terms because it's all the same thing. All those things are the same thing. And I don't have a problem with using a term that sounds more acceptable to them than the other term. And of course, parental alienation right now is getting a very bad rap. So people say, well, only use the word coercive control because in several states, there's a law against coercive control. And this law was actually put forth as a way, it was a very gender-biased law where they said that men who abuse women and in domestic violence situations, the woman wouldn't have to prove that they were abused, but that they just had to accuse the father, and then the father couldn't defend himself by using the defense of parental alienation. That's what Caden's law is which we've been fighting against. But we use coercive control because it is a law in California and a few other states, and we've taken the gender bias out of it. And when, of course, a child that's alienated from a parent has been coercively controlled, they couldn't describe it any clearer than that. So I've been using that, and because it's a law, I can lean on the judge to say, you have to do something. This is a law. You can't ignore it. And basically, it says that when there is domestic violence, what precedes that is coercive control. And that can be coercively controlling finances, um, whether a, a spouse goes out or not, you know, all kinds of things, as I'm sure you can think of them all, and that that behavior precedes domestic violence. So what I did was I took out the idea that children can be coercively controlled by a parent, and then they will just simply speak whatever the alienating parent speaks, and that would represent the coercive control. And in these bills, it does say that if you can prove coercive control of a child, then you can ask for a change of custody because it's in the child's best interest. So that's what an expert witness would do, would be to prove that there is coercive control of this child. It's actually easier to do than to use the term parental alienation, but 
I don't personally think that the term is the issue. And that's what I say to the judges. You know, we're not going to quibble about the name of something. You know, it's all the same thing. Yeah, but I would think for a parent going into the court system, like they don't have your expertise, they don't have the leverage or the weight that you're going to have as an expert witness. And if they use the term parental alienation, they're going to get an almost immediate pushback versus coercive control seems like a much easier, more delicate way to start a conversation. And there's a law to back it up, especially in California and some other states. Well, that's why you need an expert witness, number one, you know, and I oftentimes go in with a proper parent and I am just a general expert witness, which doesn't cost anything like, you know, what someone would charge to be an expert in the more specific sense. But I kind of help the person come up with questions and um, talk about coercive control and know the law and what should be emphasized. So I can help people do that. And it just takes like half an hour, you know, to really teach somebody about the law, coercive control, and use that in the courtroom with the judge. Yeah, well, that sounds like an excellent strategy for some parents is to have someone like you as an expert witness that comes in, helps them, coaches them on the questions, uses something like coercive control that there's actually a law to back it up. And it's a, a little bit easier leverage point to push on than parental alienation, which is definitely going to cause a, a bunch of divisiveness. Not definitely, but frequently. <laughs> Thank you for that reframe, because in Experience, it seems like almost always it has a really negative reaction to it. But if you're saying in some places people are actually able to listen to the word parental alienation, someone that's a judge or an attorney and not necessarily have a bunch of pushback. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes. I mean, usually I'm told ahead of time, you know, by the parents, this judge cannot stand the word parental alienation and then I just don't use it. But there are judges who actually know about parental alienation and are amazing judges, you know, and are willing to do what it takes to reunite a child with their parents and order the alienating parent to get into therapy. And unless they can prove, you know, that they've done their psychological work, then they can't see their children. So there are actually judges who have the patience to do that. Well, I got to tell you, that's wonderful to hear. I didn't realize that there's actually folks out there that are doing really good work that are judges and actually embracing this. And sounds like there's actually some healing and some change happening in small places. Yes. I'm really anxious recently that we're going to go backwards in that respect because of these laws, you know, that are in the Senate and the Assembly that have been pushed by this group, it's called, well, there's several groups. One is Violence Against Women, which is kind of surprising, but they vehemently oppose to men getting any kind of custody at all of children. Angelina Jolie is somebody who's been funding this effort. There's a place called Center for Judicial Excellence, which is a big misnomer, you know, because there aren't any lawyers on the staff whatsoever. And I don't actually know what they do except write these bills that are just awful. And then there's one mom's battle, the alienation industry, and their whole mission is to wipe parental alienation or whatever you want to call it off the map and to allow children 
to reunite with other parents. In fact, the bill that's out there now, Peaky's bill, plans to take away any kind of reunification therapy and allow the child to stay with the alienating parent with no hope of ever reuniting with them as long as they're, you know, in the court system. Wow, that sounds like a lot of crazy making and a lot of people running into different directions. And it, and it seems like the real path to healing is a collaborative path where everyone's starting to get healthy and everyone's working on themselves so the children can have the best opportunity to heal, right? Well, that is what we promote. You know, we mean in the parent alienation community is that the children are able to have both parents because that's how it started out. You know, they love both parents. And then when the separation came about and then one parent gets bad-mouthed and the children no longer see that parent, you know, that's what the tragedy is and that's what we try to mitigate. Right, so you're saying the parental alienation camp is more about child-centric, really about healing the child, making sure that the child has two healthy parents so they can have a family that doesn't uh, necessarily recreate trauma that, that the parents have experienced. Yes, I mean, that's that's what we want to do, you know, because it's not fair. I have heard so many adult children say, you know, this what happened to me was terrible. And my father or my mother just badmouthed this parent. And then I didn't spend a good many of my years relating to the parent. Oftentimes, they find the parent, the parent's dead. You know, they died. So there's no hope of having a relationship. Or they just have a relationship with, with that parent for a few years. You know, it's just a tragedy. It really is. Why should children suffer that way? Because, you know, one parent wants to punish the other parent. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's definitely heartbreaking. And talking about representing yourself in court, like what would you say are some of the other primary challenges that, that parents representing themselves run into? You know, like I heard we need to have an expert witness. You need to be prepared and educated. Well, what other challenges do you run into representing yourself that you've noted? Well, one of the things that I think alienated parents do that is a big problem in court is because they're so anxious and so angry agitated, you know, they represent themselves in a way that isn't really conducive to getting the judge's attention, say, in the court. And so being in control, being calm, being cool, and not allowing yourself to get agitated or angry, because I totally understand what an alienated parent would feel all those feelings and then just given the opportunity to talk would lash out at the other parent or the judge or the other lawyer because the other person knows that they can incite the alienated parent. So having one's emotions under control and knowing what's going to happen, I think, is something that I've worked with parents a lot on. But I talk about it in my book, to not be the one that's going to lose your cool. Because if you stay with the facts, you don't get emotional, and you expose the alienating parent, they will unravel, and they will show the court who they really are. And that happens every time. So it's really, really important if you need help, 
you know, in that respect, just being cool, calm and collected, that's worth talking to someone about and making sure you know your stuff when you go in there, because that helps a lot too. And the other thing that I tell alienated parents is to expose the other parents, because usually alienated parents are the nice parents. And that's been my experience across the board, even talking to people on the phone. When people call me, and if they're nasty to me, I know that they're the alienating parents. And I try not to talk to them after that. But yeah, the more you can expose that parent and expose their manipulations, the way they haven't shown up with the kids, how they don't encourage the kids to see you, how they badmouth the kids, the other parents to the kids, you know, all of those things should be exposed in the courtroom. Because if you do that right at the beginning, the court can't go back you know, because it's part of the record. And then you are on the offensive and the alienated parent is on the, def- the alienated parent is on the defensive, which is kind of the position, if you want to talk about war, you want to be in, you know, is to, to be the offensive one, not the offensive in terms of your attitude, but to put the other party on the defense because it's harder to prove that the one, the other person's wrong that way. Wowzer. Wow. That first half of the show was incredible. Next week, we're going to have the second half of the show with Lynn, where we're going to continue the conversation. There were so many incredible takeaways today. You know, be your own boss in the court system. Don't give away your agency. Just because there's professionals around you, you need to educate yourself. You need to make sure that you're resourced. One of the greatest things that Lynn said is you can't be in this dysregulated place when you go into the court system. You need to be composed. You need to stick to the facts. And you also need to talk about the facts that feel uncomfortable. You know what I mean? And what a great bit of information so far. The next episode is just as powerful. And I want to remind you of the other resources that we have. Uh, Down in the show notes, you'll see a link for PAA, which is Parental Alienation Anonymous. It's a free 12-step support group with an incredible, amazing community of people that are struggling along the same lines that share their experience, strength, and hope and resources. And we also have the Family Hope Project, which is a worldwide advocacy project to educate people. We're aligning with different organizations around the world and we need your art and your submissions and your stories to make this as impactful as possible. So thanks for coming by today and listening to the Family Disappeared podcast and we can't wait to see you on the next episode and thank you to everyone out in the community for supporting us. And remember there's an email address below if you want to send questions, if you have recommendations of different guests you'd like to hear, anything that you would like to do with the podcast, you have agency here. This is a community podcast and we want your feedback. We want to know what you want to listen to. We want to know what's resonating, what's not making any sense. Even if there's something you don't like that we're talking about, let us know. Let's address it. Like we need to talk about all the nooks and crannies and everything that's going on. We don't want to leave the stuff in the shadows and in the dark. We want to bring everything into light. And from the place in the light, we have an opportunity to change. We have an opportunity to change everything. So thank you. Subscribe, like, join the Facebook group, Facebook page, Instagram, everywhere. Let people know that there's an opportunity for healing here and it's all free and it's all accessible. Thanks for taking the time to join me on this episode of Family Disappeared Podcast. 
Do you know someone who can benefit from what we're discussing on today's episode? If so, please share this podcast with them and anyone else in your community that might be interested in changing their lives. Together, we'll continue the exploring, growing, and healing journey. I will see you on our next episode. Until then, happy days to all.